Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. It is May 23rd as I record this first part, and I'm so pleased to introduce Frank Zafiro to you today. Frank, it may sound like just another author who thought it was hard to get a book deal, but in fact, Frank is much more than that. Frank Zafiro was a police officer working a really challenging job, but he had some really great successes in his writing career. But as the doors to publishing started slamming shut with the ever-changing world in publishing, Frank learned what it really, what seemingly was bad news became his very, very good news, thanks to his incredible grit and determination. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like to support the podcast, one of the best ways you can do it is give me a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It takes just a second to add a few stars, maybe a comment, however you're feeling. If you really, really like it, share it with a friend. And you're always welcome to buy me a cup of coffee. I'll have the link to that in show notes. And that's just a one-time sort of tip to help produce the podcast because you probably know this, but my time is voluntary to produce this Persistence You with Lisbeth, but none of the services I use are free. So thanks so much in advance for your help. And I'm always so glad to be here with you. As ever, if you have comments or anything like that, do so under show notes at lameredith.com. And let's get started. I am so honored to have author Frank Zafiro with us today. Frank has lived a number of lives. He was a police officer from 1993 to 2013, and he retired as a captain. And he is an author of many, many books, and I think in different names. In addition to writing, Frank is an avid hockey fan, and he calls himself a tortured guitarist. So thanks so much for being here, Frank, and do tell us all about your, and all of our, for as writers, the bumpy journey of publication. I'm so interested and <laughs> thanks for being here. We had some tech problems and you hung in there like no one's business. So I appreciate having you. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it is a bumpy road for most people. Um, and, and for me, it started even when I was a kid, I, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I sort of, a, always identified myself as a writer. Um, I think of it in terms similar to that of a musician who just always knows that, you know, they're going to play guitar or piano or whatever, sing. And, uh, you know, I told stories and wrote stories from a very young age, but I also figured out when I was a teenager that you can't just, you know, put out your shingle and say, I'm a writer and somebody starts cutting you checks and, you know, that's it. And that's all. We wish we could do that, but it doesn't work like that. (laughs) It'd be nice. Um, so I went into the military, um, I kind of didn't have a, uh, an idea of exactly what I wanted to do. I just kind of knew I didn't want to go to college, uh, with the same people I went to high school with. And, <laughs> and so, 
Uh, I wrote while I was in the military. Uh, actually, my first publications happened while I was uh, still a soldier. But, um, but but I really didn't quite have the direction of, of what I was going to write. I wrote all over the map. I wrote fantasy. I wrote uh, uh, what you could call crime fiction. I wrote, you know, just anything that came to mind. And I was still figuring out the craft, very, you know, baby steps into the craft at, at that time. Um, and so after I got out of the military, after five years, so I would have been about 23, um, I, I spent a couple of years working whatever jobs I could to put money or put uh, bread on the table while I was testing for a variety of police departments. And I kind of came to that because I knew I, I wanted to be either a cop or a teacher pretty much. And uh, teachers required a four-year degree, and I only had about a year and a half of college that I managed to finish while I was in the military. So, uh, cop it was, you know, and and I was drawn to both professions quite a lot, and so it wasn't like I was settling for either one. It's just the one that made the most sense. So, after a couple of years, I had lived in California for a while and decided to come home to Spokane, Washington, and uh, tested for for the department in uh, the county as well. Came out pretty high on both tests and ended up getting hired by the Spokane Police Department and started my career in 1993. And the beginning of your police career is pretty intense. And so I really wasn't doing a whole lot of writing at all uh, for the first couple of years. But then I started to write and what came out was was crime fiction. Uh, because that's what I was living. And I, I wrote the first draft of my first book um, there in 1995. Um, but then I started on about an eight-year stretch where I was going to school full-time, college full-time, getting my, my undergraduate degree. I went through a divorce. I had two kids. Uh, I was getting a different position within the police department every couple of years, every year and a half or so. So I was learning a new job. I was writing a ton of papers for school and a bunch of police reports and other stuff for the job, but no fiction really. Uh, finally things settled down though around 2004 when I started uh, writing short stories and connected with another officer who was also a writer oh, wow. who became a co-author of mine, Colin Conway. Um, the two of us kind of encouraged each other on our journeys and, and really kind of got uh, pretty serious about it at, in 2004. And then what came out was almost exclusively crime fiction, like 90% of it was crime oh, fiction. Wow. But I, <clears throat> but I didn't know what to do with it very, very much. You know, I mean, what do you do? You wrote a story now what, you know, and, and this was at the beginning of the internet phase as well. Uh, so that added a whole new, you know, piece to it. I mean, nowadays, if somebody publishes something on the web, it's published. Right. But back then there was arguments about whether that counted as published or not. Um, you know, and, and so it was kind of the beginnings of a journey uh, that you don't really know where it, it if it's, if it's headed where you're trying to go. Um, but uh, I mean, did you, have you been writing for a long time or did you encounter that beginning of the internet stage or, you know, I feel you. And so I started writing, I mean, I wrote tragic poetry as a tiny child. And then when I was in college for my undergraduate degree, it was journalism. But back then when I was doing it, and this was thousands of years ago because I was in my twenties. Um, but I, was parenting, you know, I was a sole supporter of my children, the, and a parent of just little bitty kids. So when I was finishing college, I did like an article for Alaska men magazine. I'm sure you don't know what that is, but, uh, 
it was like before 90 day fiance or title kind of tells it all. Yes. (laughs) So women would write old fashioned letters where you bought a stamp for young people listening. There was these things called stamps and you put it on the envelope and they would try to meet men from Alaska. And actually I had two successful, I think one or two successful unions. So that I was in a hard copy magazine. That was it. And yet it ended in marriage for at least one person that survived all these years. The marriage did. So <laughs> that was it. And then I just didn't even bother for many years after that. <laughs> so sorry for that long story. But the publishing Not world changes yeah. so many so often. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really part of the reason why this has been a bumpy ride for me. I mean, um, I started sending uh, poetry and short stories to uh, to magazines, some of which paid, some of which only paid in copies. Um, just trying to get publication credits. And I had a few when I was still in the, in the army and then it was kind of a long drought until I, uh, started writing pretty seriously in 2004. And then I went on a bit of a bender and had a number of, of, of stories published, uh, pretty fast because I took advantage of the online magazine, um, uh, explosion Mm -hmm. that was taking place and you know some of those magazines were were kind of fly by night and and some of them are still around today and so you know you just never knew for sure um what you were getting but uh, uh you know it was kind of a little bit of a blush of first success you know it was like wow i'm writing something and somebody wants to publish it this is awesome so exciting and and it was yeah it is it's and it's all dark crime fiction for the most part i really wasn't writing uh, procedurals at the time until i pulled that first book back out of the drawer literally mm-hmm. it was on paper okay and started re- revising it and rewriting it and that ended up becoming my my first book under a raging moon so here's here's kind of the road i, I was publishing these short stories and i came across a guy who was a one man show uh, uh publisher you know sole proprietor publisher uh called wolfmont publishing out of georgia and he was putting together an anthology uh, of short stories called Seven by Seven, where seven writers each wrote seven stories, one for each of the deadly sins. And then it had to be a mystery, and it had to be 600 words or less, and it had to have a twist. So that was a challenge. At least a couple of them were a challenge. And I submitted a story. Uh, I think Greed was the one we had to submit on and got accepted into this anthology. So I was one of the seven uh, writers. And, uh, it was, a, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty, pretty neat little book and everything. It was the first time I was ever in, in a hardcover, you know, in, in paperback. And I told him about under a raging moon and sent it to him. And he was like, I want to publish it. So, um, that could be a, a much longer story, but I'll keep it short. Uh, he did, he published it and he did a few things with it that, you know, were interesting that were kind of, uh, trying to be innovative. I mean, it was published in block text with spaces between the paragraphs kind of to emulate online reading. Okay. Um, and he did a few other things that I, I didn't necessarily like all of them, but you know, he was trying to do something different and you know, I sold the hell out of that book. I mean, I went to a ton of bookstores and did appearances and, and moved a lot of copies oh, wow. um, for a small press. I right. mean, again, this is a very small press. But uh, And I got busy writing the second book. I was like, this is great. I'm writing a series. I'm writing a police procedural series, an ensemble cast of police officers and eventually detectives and eventually, you know, leaders 
who all get, you know, it's like uh, Hill Street Blues or NYPD Blue or something like that, where everybody gets some FaceTime, but a couple, two or three characters are more main characters. And, um, you know, I was writing short stories where minor characters were getting to be the star of the short story. You know, I was weaving everything together. It was a lot of fun. And so I dove into this second book. Now, the first book was about uh, mostly patrol officers, and it was about a serial robber who was hitting convenience stores and getting progressively more and more uh, violent. And pretty much the cops knew if they didn't find him soon or stop him soon, somebody was going to get killed. And that was what kind of drove the plot forward. And then all this other stuff was happening around it. The second book uh, jumps off right away with a, a daylight kidnapping of a six-year-old girl. Hmm. And so that's an all hands on deck sort of, you know, event, you know, everybody's pitch, pitching in and in, in, in whatever way they can. And, um, I felt like the book was a better book. I felt like I had grown as an author, as a writer and, and had done a better job and everything. I sent it to him and he's like, I, I can't publish this. And I mean, I was like heartbroken for a minute. And then I was like, well, why? I mean, is it bad? And he said, no, I actually, I think it's better than the first book. Definitely a, a you know progression in your writing, but I can't publish it because nobody will want to read it. Mm. And now I'm confused. <laughs> you know, If it's a good book, better than the first one, and you publish the first one, why wouldn't you publish the second one? And I said, why? And he said, well, nobody will want to read and nobody will read a book uh, about a child in peril. Mm. Oh, wow. Which I just thought was ridiculous because, I mean, you know, Law and Order was, you know, big at the time, you know, and, and all, you know, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of that going on. And the other thing was I didn't show anything happening to this little girl. It's all alluded to and whatever happens, happens off stage. So this was the first big bump. <laughs> this is a huge bump. Uh, he's got my first book. He won't publish the second. What do you do? So I said, well, I'm going to have to take the book somewhere else. And he said, okay, but I'm keeping the first book until the contract runs out. And so I'm like, oh, well, then nobody's going to take the second book if that's the case. But uh, I actually found somebody who would. I, uh, I was in another anthology. This one was called uh, The X Factor. It was all short stories about exes of all kinds, getting their just desserts. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it was pretty fun. Actually, I had three stories in that one. And the publisher of The X Factor um, was, uh, at the time they were called Koboka Press. They changed their name to a Aisling Press. Uh, Bo Savino was the was the editor there. She, she was like, I love this book. I'll publish it. And then when the rights run out of the first one, we'll publish that and get going on the third one. So, man, I was pumped. I was like, who, who need, you know, adversity, but adversity, you know, right. this is easy. You, know, you just have to you know, write a couple of short stories. So uh, they published the second book. They actually published it in hardback as well, which was pretty awesome. Yes, so the time I've been in hardback. And um, uh, this was 2007 and things were going great. And uh then all of a sudden they weren't. And what I pieced together later on was basically they had overextended. They had published too many books at once, couldn't support any of them. And they, they went under, which is if anybody's familiar with, you know, with the publishing world, publishers going under is not a, uh, a rare story at all. It's a pretty common one. I didn't know this, of course. 
So uh, I'll spare you the drama, but there was a little bit of drama for a while. I was getting ghosted for a little while. And then that kind of turned around and turned out because Bo was a good person. She was a, a good person. She was just, I think, embarrassed and sad. But ultimately, she, you know, gave me back the rights to the book, yeah. even gave me the, the book cover to to do and everything, you know. So so now I'm sitting here. I just had finished the third book. I'm sitting here with the third book finished. The first book back or the, the second book back in my hands. The first book still with my first publisher. What am I supposed to do with this series now? You know, right. I, mean, I mean, can you how do you how do you riddle your way out of that one? Um, you know, and I'm and I'm you know, publishing short stories this whole time, trying to keep my profile up. But uh, I feel like maybe the River City is going to die on the vine or something. I don't know what's going to happen. And ultimately, uh, I did get the, the rights back to the first book when the when the contract ran out. I made sure to do, do that appropriately so that I got them. So then I had all three books, but, you know, uh, nobody was really interested in, in republishing them. And part of my frustration with the first two publishers was distance. I mean, one was in Georgia, one was in Florida. I mean, if they didn't want to answer my phone or my emails, I wasn't going to do get on a plane. Right. And then I read about a publisher who was just getting rolling with fiction. He had been publishing uh, like trail guide books and other nonfiction in Spokane where I lived, Gray Dog Press. Uh, and a guy named Russ Davis, he owned a print shop and he was trying to also be a publisher. And I went and saw him and and that great guy, super guy. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And so they actually took the first two, republished them, published the third one and got to work on the fourth one. He hired a really good editor um, who, uh, you know, I still have contact with today. A great, great guy. And uh, published the, the third book and the fourth book. But the thing was, he didn't want to publish eBooks, which this was 2011. Oh, so, dear. you know, well, you know, it just hadn't quite jumped off yet, you know, for, for some people and, and they weren't quite sure yet. I mean, uh, it was only two or three years removed from an ebook being a CD that you put into your computer to read, right, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> um, and so I said, well, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll publish them. You know, I figured nobody's going to call me self-published if I publish the ebooks because I'm published in print by this publisher, right? So even I was buying into the stigma attached to it. And uh, so I start, you know, I published it, and and lo and behold, they they went crazy during that 2011 to 2013 uh, halcyon days of of ebooks, where you know, I mean, it was it was crazy. I've never I've never approached those sales numbers in in digital, even today. Um, they were they were just selling ridiculously. I mean, people were filling their Kindles up because they they had nothing to put on their Kindles, and so anything that was on there, they were buying up. And um, it, so there it was. I had a, a publisher. I had a, a you know all the series with the publisher. This small press it was going great. Had a couple of uh, other series jump off with smaller publishers that went under and had a few battles there to get rights back. And I won't bore you with that. But ultimately, um, I decided to, you know, stick with, with Grey Dog only wanted to publish the River City series. They didn't want to make the mistake other publishers had made and overextend. And I had all these other books. And so I started publishing them myself because I was already publishing the digital versions. Um, and that went pretty well for a while. But then, uh, you know, I was still dealing with this 
I mean, there's nothing to call it other than stigma, right? I mean, there still is a stigma attached by from some people when it comes to independent publication. They figure if anybody can do it, then you're not accomplishing anything when you do it. And you know, it's not about whether you can do it or not. It's about how you go about right. it now, in my opinion. So um, I, you know, I ended up uh, hooking up with uh, Down and Out Books, which was a pretty well-respected genre, kind of a niche, a little bigger than niche, but a, a genre-specific. Basically, hard-boiled crime was their was their dish, and uh, just published a ton of books with them. I mean, I think I had fourteen or fifteen books with them at one time. And the great guys, I still have a relationship with them and today, but I ran into the problem that a lot of people have run into with small press, and that is marketing. You know, I mean, uh, aside from putting it out on their mailing list and, and you know, a little bit on social media, there was no marketing behind any of the books. And so I noticed that my books that I published myself that I didn't give over to them or didn't place with them were selling the same as the ones that they had, sure. you know, and, but I'm only getting 50% of the royalties on the ones that they have. And I, I kind of got, you know, it became a business question. It didn't, you know, there's no, no, you know, personal animosity or anything like that. It became a, a business question. I mean, what can a publisher do for you, right? A publisher can do that. You can't do for yourself. Correct. A publisher can, you know, you can you can have a book cover designed same as a publisher. You can pay for editing same as the publisher does. Layout, all of that stuff. Really, the only two things that a publisher generally can do better than an individual, at least this is was my thinking, was marketing and cachet. Right? If you're able to say I'm with Little Brown, and you know, or I'm with you know Double Day, or I'm with you know Down and Out, whatever, to some people that matters. And so, you know, that that's, there's value in that. And I kind of had to ask myself, you know, am I getting the bang for the buck here? You know, cause I'm getting 50 cents on the dollar for every sale. And, uh, you know, what, what, what am I getting out of this? I wasn't getting any marketing. Right. And so it really came down to cachet. Was it worth 50% of my royalties to be able to say I'm with this publisher? And ultimately I decided it wasn't. It just wasn't. Uh, I wasn't getting enough out of it. And so I, I had a very good conversation with the publisher, told him this is a business decision. Here's how I'd like to do it. And we came to a very amicable agreement, and I took back all of my books. Wow, good for you. Um, well, it, it came down to uh, the matter of cachet is, is, was the only thing I was losing, right? right. And, and so... So I republished them all um, and and started delving into how to market as a as an independent author, and that's where I've been for a year and a half now. Um, and so I don't know if that sounds like a, a a lot of obstacles. I left a lot of stuff out, you know. Believe it or not, based on just trying not to take too much time, uh, you know, just 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 uh, all the little obstacles that you can imagine that pop up through all of those processes. Uh, but now we're faced with as as a as an independent author. What are you looking at? You're trying. It's not about whether you can get published or not. Of course you can. You're publishing yourself. Uh, so there are no gatekeepers keeping you out of the castle. You know, I mean, the, the the walls have fallen down and you're spilling into the courtyard if you want to. Now the problem is, is the courtyard is full and everybody's yelling. How do you? <laughs> 
how do you get heard? Mm-hmm. How do you get noticed? How do you, you know, cause the readers are in the castle looking out, right. And they are picking who to let in so that they can read them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the challenge is, is getting their attention now. Um, and that's a whole, you know, that's a whole nother episode. Right. Now, and that's, <laughs> you know, I teach a book marketing course myself because, there were, I think last year, or maybe it was 2019, like 1.6 million books published. And so, you know, advertising as an example, a lot of people celebrated recently when Amazon opened their gates wider and let all kinds of authors advertise their own books on Amazon. That's not great news for so many of us because that just dilutes it even further. Mm -hmm. And with memberships like Kindle Unlimited and Audible and so many other things. And I enjoy memberships on television. So I'm as guilty as the next person, but you're paying one small fee and the publishers may get some of the money. But if you are not your own publisher, you're getting almost nothing. You're getting a fraction of that 10 cents you used to get when your Mm -hmm. book is reduced to 99. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is a challenging world. It's a wonderful world, but you got to have other income streams or it becomes really, really scary. Uh, And in the years since my book has come out, it just changes more and more and more. It's not all bad, but it isn't necessarily in the author's favor. (laughs) No. And, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're with one of the big, what is it now? Big four, big five, whatever the, the, the New York, big publishers, that's a different conversation entirely. And if that's the route you want to go and you are able to get through the gatekeepers, that's a viable route. But I think once you get past that level of, of financial muscle behind a book, uh, I don't think there's that big of a difference between the mid-sized publishers and the independent right. publishers, uh, you know, that whole range, because we're all competing for the same, uh, the same set of eyes and and that's the tough part again like i said is getting noticed as you well know uh from what you do it's uh, uh you know i mean i have a podcast and i i've had it for a few years now but i'm still amazed at how many emails i get from publicists you know pushing their author right. and and i think that's great don't get me wrong i think it's wonderful but I can't let everybody on the show. I don't have, I don't have enough episodes. And, and so I'm on the other side of that equation. And so I see, you know, what that looks like as well. And it's just a, you know, the the thing is, is it can be very discouraging like anything else. It's like running a marathon, right? You get into mile six or so and you're like, I'm tired. And there's a lot of people out here running Mm -hmm. And I got 20 miles more to go (laughs) and I'm thirsty and hungry and my hip hurts and my calves are tight and it's hot. And, uh, you know, this is not, you know, there's that, that moment of discouragement that can happen fairly frequently when, when you see, you know, when you get turned down for a book bub ad or when, you know, you look to see your, your, your sales and they're, you know, static or gone down. And so that's the biggest obstacle, to be honest with you, that I've encountered uh, uh, all the way through is that, that why, you know, how do you keep going? How do you continue on with, with this uh, goal of being read? And, uh, you know, I mean, I have a wonderful wife who I can complain to about most things. 
And she's pretty reasonable about listening to me complain about this, but I try not to because, I mean, I'm retired and I'm writing full time. Right. I mean, what do I have to complain about? But one of the things that she brings up and, and kind of prods me about is, you know, why are you doing this? You know, and, and all I have to do is answer that question. And I, and that gets me past the, that obstacle gets me past that, that struggle because the reason I'm doing this is I have stories to tell. And ultimately, if 10,000 people read this story, if a million people read this story, if a hundred people read this story, I've connected with someone and I've connected with the story that I wanted to tell. And that's, that's where the art happens. And, you know, I'm not trying to make a living at this like some people are. Uh, I, I mean, sometimes I have to remind myself of that. I have to remind myself that the financial rewards are nice and they're a way of keeping score if you like to keep score. But ultimately, this is about art and this is about expressing yourself and and really realizing a childhood dream. And I can't let that become corrupted by frustration or by goals that are financial or, you know, winning an award or, or something like that, I have to keep focused on the art in its truest sense. And that is when some reader sends you a message saying, hey, I read this book and I loved it and I connected with this character and when's the next one coming out? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's where it's, that's where you win. Right. That is fantastic. Such, 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 such good uh, insight. And absolutely, there's so many different ways to define wealth and thankfully, not all of them are monetary because otherwise it really would be very challenging for most of us when we, you know, I think the statistics are now most books don't sell a thousand copies within their lifetime. And those could be traditionally published as well. And tradition, mm-hmm. I worked with one woman, uh, you know, I've been teaching book marketing for a little while now, but she consulted with me. She was picked up by an agent, which doesn't happen so much anymore. A literary agent found her because she's an amazing blogger. And so she blogs on Medium. And so she connected with a literary agent and he worked with her, he or she worked with uh, the author to get a nice book deal with Collins. And so she reached out to me about, I'm going to say five or six months before her book was coming out. And she said, well, they've told me not to worry whatsoever about marketing because they've got it built in. And that's why I'm so excited. This is going traditional. And I said, that is so great. Well, what should the marketing team say? Well, she said, well, I haven't heard from anyone. So I nudged her to maybe contact the marketing team (laughs) by three months before the book came out. They'd not. And they said, oh, our bad. Totally forgot. It didn't hit our radar. Well, by then it was, it was too late, you know, so the book has as few sales as all the rest of us who sell independent books. So it's just a reminder that I think the author's journey is challenging, best not to do it alone, to go to conferences Mm -hmm. or to make online friends. You had the police officer friendship that you had as an accountability buddy, which by the way, how is that person doing in writing? Oh, oh, fantastic. Really? I mean, he's... Yeah, yeah, he created a uh, 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 the five hundred nine universe basically as the uh, crime fiction uh, universe of of Eastern Washington wow. with uh, a procedural series, a PI series, and kind of uh, uh, two different kinds of PI series. Kind of a one one is more humorous and one is more hard boiled. Um, and then, but the flagship there is the five hundred nine 
series. And he and I have written uh, five books together. Well, we've written six together total, but we've written five together in the Charlie 316 series, which is a procedural series that the uh, fifth book just came out in May, actually. Congratulations. Ed, how fun is that? But this whole experience would be so much less lovely if we didn't have readers, if we didn't have co-authors or, you know, launch teams, beta readers, whatever it is. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just, it is enriching. Just like you said, when you hear from someone who says that moved me, your work moved me, it makes it worthwhile. Thank goodness, because we do need those things in our corner. So that's fantastic. <laughs> that's absolutely well, congratulations. true. Congratulations. Did you, now that you publish your own, do you have an imprint? Did you give yourself an imprint with a title? Yes. I published my books under the imprint of Code 4 Press. Excellent. Okay. All right. And what would you tell a new writer who's wanting to be an author and is dead set on being traditionally published because of, like you said, whether it's ego, cachet, the myth that there is marketing money when often there is not any longer in traditional book contracts. But what would you say to to an author who is going for that prize? I would say the same thing that I would say to any author wanting to publish in, in any uh, medium or any any method, and that is that you have to have tenacity. You can't give up. When somebody says no, you ask the next person. When they say no, you ask the next person. Or uh, you know, when one book doesn't do well, you write the next one. You know, whatever whatever horse throws you off, you get back on that horse or the next horse. And and that you know, that's how great art happens. And that's how great art gets out there. Whether you're talking about music, uh, you know, film, or whether you're talking about books. So like anything else that the, 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 the real key to it is you, you can't give up. You have to believe in yourself and you can't give up, but you touched on something too, that I think is key. And that is that when it comes to books in particular, and I'm sure it's true of other arts as well, but certainly books, it's not a zero sum game. I mean, a reader doesn't read one book and they're done uh, for the rest of their life. And, 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 you know, I realize they only have so many hours in the day and so much time that they can read, but they can read my book and they can read your book and, and that can happen. And so I don't need to try to make sure you don't win so that I (laughs) do or worry that if you win, I can't, or, or even think about it in terms of winning, uh, you know, in that way. So it makes it possible for you to be, you know, more supportive of, of your other authors. I mean, that's why I started the podcast. I've been doing that since 2017 to promote other authors. And, and I, I, I felt like I could do that and feel good about it. Like I wasn't cutting myself off of the knees because of the fact that it's not a zero sum game because of the fact that I can support another author and their success doesn't mean I can't have any success. Um, and, you know, I realize there are some businesses where that's not true. And maybe there are some levels of the arts where that's not true, but it certainly is in the world I operate in. And, and I'm glad for that. Agreed. A thousand percent agreed. I think you Stu, I've, I've heard authors say, well, the only people that ever read my books or review my books are other authors. I'm like, but they're readers too. <laughs> they're some of the best yeah, readers absolutely. in the world. So that's a win. That's a great And the win. most discerning. Yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. So wonderful to have community like that. 
Well, where can people find your website? And hopefully it has your podcast on it. Where can we connect with you? And of course, I'll put all of this in show notes, the stuff that you sent me. I appreciate it. But let the listeners know where they, we can connect with you best. Uh, the easiest place to start is probably my website, franksafiro.com. And pretty much everything is there uh, that connects elsewhere. But I am on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And um, I am also, you can follow me on BookBub. And uh, on Amazon, you can follow my author page on Amazon. And the nice part about a couple of those is that when a new book comes out, you get you get an email if you follow an author. And and that's always kind of nice because there's so much going on out there that, that, you know, it's nice to get a heads up. Oh, hey, this person has a new book out. Um, so that's where I would, I would point. That's people. a very good point. And I don't think to do that too often. So I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Well, it has been a pleasure and I really appreciate your time, Frank. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.